Welcome to the DPV Podcast, Episode 2. We've got an exciting episode for you today. Going to talk about one of the most epic adventures we've ever been on. Probably, it's right up there. It's one or two. It's, it's, our, uh, it's our Alaska trip. And we're going to be talking about a little bit about what, how that came to be and how it just, we just kind of lucked into this whole trip. But it's, uh, it was a four-day blitz of, uh, of driving and flying home. Yeah, it was a lot. But we got some great stories about that. So I already know the answer to this, but what'd you get done the last month, big guy? <laughs> Not much. Uh, work sucked. I uh, worked 20 straight days, 20 straight 12s at least, and uh, did not get much done in the last three weeks. Uh, but I did get some parts ordered. So um, coming up, we're going to have a video about, um, I have some air cleaner interference with my distributor, the HEI. I put on that uh, 360 and uh, I bought a gauge set so I can kind of, watch the life of the engine and I'm not just running on dummy gauges. Sweet. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get those installed here in the next week or so. I had a great month. Yeah. You did have a great month. We had a wheeling party and that's just been like one of my childhood dreams to have my own off-road playground on my property. And it has finally happened. We built some obstacles, had some friends over, had a couple Jeep TJs and the chief did awesome. I did break some stuff. And so, um, my shop time this month was, you know, getting this thing put back together, got some barns, four wheel drive, leaf spring brackets and boomerang shackles, got the front suspension all dialed. Still want to get the rear suspension kind of dialed. I do have a bent rear leaf spring. So in the next month, going to be working on that. But my next month is pretty busy. I got two big family vacations, so... And I picked up the dang remodel. I don't know why I did that, but whatever. It, it happens. Sometimes you say yes to work. All right. So um, you want to do the uh, your bill of the week, fantasy bill of the week? Yeah. What do you got for me? Well, I originally had this pretty sweet, um, what was it, a 50, uh, what did I say it was? You said it a 57 Chevy pickup. Yeah, it was a 57 Chevy 3100 uh, pickup that was a hundred different colors, but it was complete and solid. But then that listing expired. So I don't, you can't show you the pictures and everything about it. So my three minute find for you, uh, we had a budget of $1,500 with another $1,500 to throw in parts and stuff. Um, Josh is going to get a lot more to work with because in a blitz, I found this car for $400. So you're going to have a lot of money to work with. You don't have an engine and transmission. So you got to come up with one of those, but for four hundred dollars, you are going to get a nineteen sixty-seven Ford Thunderbird two-door. It is all one color, decent paint, and I can't see rust on it. I, wow. if I did not work this week, I would definitely be making a trip to Everett because it's got a clean title too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it. I mean, these pictures, it looks super straight. Yeah, dude. It's like a dark forest green wow car. look at that tail light dude and that i believe on the 67 that all i think that whole ring lights up with the brake lights coming oh that is cool so i need engine and transmission well gotta stick with the reliability here and uh <laughs> put a small block <laughs> put a small block chevy in it uh i mean i would say ls but i've looked into ls swaps they're not as cheap no, I know you can get a ju you can get a junkyard LS for four hundred dollars, and then you need 
what twelve hundred dollars worth of stuff yeah. to go onto it, where I could I could get a three fifty three fifty for pretty cheap. Yeah, like and running. three wires. Yeah, and it's good to go. And then slam it, like definitely slam it. I don't care if it's like cutting the coils. Yeah, I think this thing would look cool just dragging around. Yeah, that would be sweet. And then, man. It is really clean. It's got a, it's got the vinyl top, but it, it's probably the vinyl top is probably soft. Probably. But wow, is, the interior even. And it is a bucket seat console car. Oh my god! I know this thing is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I could put a little more money in the engine and actually keep it a Ford. I mean, it'd be cool to put a four sixty in it, yeah. and you can pick those up for not too much money. No, or. I mean, I got a 302 laying on the shop floor at home. Yeah, I could, with I it, could steal from you with a C4 behind it that, yeah, that would probably look really good in that car. And I and I'd probably do like uh, the two inch dual exhaust if I was doing a small block. Yeah, that nice crackly yep. um, sound. Yeah, sweet, good find. They are out there. You can, yes, you got to hunt a little bit longer. But I mean, I did find this and four minutes um it helps to find a project car if you're not like super narrowed down to like you're just i want to build a hot rod or i want to build a muscle car it it seems easier than i want to build a 57 chevy right yeah if you keep your options open and don't and uh you don't see a lot of 67 thunderbirds i don't see these a whole lot at i see the earlier ones like the 50s the real roundy i like that body style you like this body style bucket seat console car yeah. Dude, I set you up. I can't believe how clean that interior looks. Yeah, that's crazy. It looks good. Just hammer it down with some armor all. Yeah. I bet some uh I bet some patina wash on this uh Yeah, put some shine juice on it. Oh shine juice on this thing? I bet it come right back to life. What do I got? What am I working with? Is it I don't feel like it's nearly why are you hiding it from me? <laughs> because I I don't want to spoil the surprise. Oh no. Okay, so you got a little less money for parts. But I think you can still do something with it. Oh, I'm building a mail Jeep? Is this right-hand drive? It is. Oh, this is awesome. It says it needs a motor, but it has a motor. It just says that... We'll get it running. It's junk. Oh. What motors did these have? I have... I know... I know nothing about... Oh. It's got uh, some sort of four-cylinder that the owner says is a garbage motor. Okay. DJ 5G mail Jeep. Uh, are these four-wheel drive? They are not. Okay, good. Ooh. So, a guy says a 4.3 will fit in between the frame rails, because that's what he was going to put in there. Um, I think that's not a horrible idea. No. And I think this thing would actually look really cool slammed to the ground. I think so, too. So, one of my, like, dream cars that I will never be able to afford is a Volkswagen Fredolin, which was a um, Swiss and French mail vehicle. That had real close to the same shape. I mean, it had a sliding door like the Ferdolan does, and the overall shape is the same. I think when someone builds a mail vehicle, they just give a crayon to a third grader and say, draw a car. And that's basically what they make when they make a mail vehicle, including the current, uh, what are those, the GMVs or whatever the current mail vehicles are. Yeah, dude, I think this thing would look good on its lowered. Yeah, I, I would do like kidney bean mags. Ooh, yeah. Like, like deep dish. Yeah, deep mags. 
like a nine inch in the rear. I think you make this a little quick. Oh yeah. Make it smoke the tires. Yeah. This is not bad. This is thirteen hundred bucks. I don't get. She's not gonna be pretty then when I'm done with it because you left me no money for the pretty department. But dude, right hand drive, tire screecher, two wheel drive Jeep. I'm I'm down. Yeah. This is sweet. This is actually a good one. We'll uh, we'll have some pictures up. You'll be able to see them too. All right. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. So how this how did this Alaska trip come to be? All right. How how did we how did the vehicle come to be here at the shop? So I don't know if you ever saw this uh, gun channel. It's not that big. It's like Demolition Ranch. There's this dude named Matt. He runs it. He's got like three or four followers. He might be one of them. Yeah, three or four, maybe eleven million. I don't know. Uh, but on his other channel, Off the Ranch, which is also not that big, it's only like four million. <laughs> one day, uh, he built this Ford Bronco. Eighty-nine, is it? Eighty-four. Eighty-four. Um, on that channel, and it's pretty dang sweet. It's got a crazy backstory. It was a good friend of his in high school, and that friend uh, ended up passing away overseas in a military operation. And his friend's family contacted him and said, Hey, Matt, do you want this Bronco? It's just going to rot in our field. And he's like, Yeah, I'll take it. And he built it on his channel over a few years. And it's a pretty sweet Bronco. One tons. It's got a, what was it? A four. I think it's the Stroker 427. Yeah, Stroker 427, about 500 horsepower. Monster transmission. Atlas TKs. It's built. On 37s. And then the body's all patinaed. Yeah. It's sweet what you can build when you got money. Yeah. It was a rad, rad rig. It was it was sweet. It handled very well. And so then he decided when he was all done with this thing to give it back to um, his friend's brother, his friend's younger brother who lives in Alaska. So um, what um, Forrest was going to do with the vehicle, uh, that's the Bronco's owner, he was going to drive it from Texas to Alaska. And part of the way back, he uh, ran into some transmission issues, overheated the transmission um, due to some cooling issues or something. And uh, he was looking for a place to work on it. And uh, Josh reached out to him. It was just kind of crazy on Instagram. Like, hey, I got a shop space and we can help you turn wrenches. And uh, he took us up on the offer. And so uh, he dropped the Jeep or dropped the Bronco off. And uh, got a transmission coming, and uh, Monster Warranty, their transmission. We helped him throw it in, but by the time we got everything done, and uh, we redid some cooler lines, we did we fixed a couple other little things that while it was here, just because, you know, a shakedown of a couple thousand miles. And uh, he was out of time, and uh, he was like, do you think we could just leave the, the Bronco there for a while until I can get back to it? And with uh, Josh and I's work schedules, they kind of lined up, and I was like, what if we just dropped the Bronco off for you. If you would, you know, take care of gas. He's like, yeah, I'll pay for your gas and airfare. If you drive the Bronco up here for me. So that kind of started the ball in motion and, uh, our trip to Alaska. Yeah. And so, uh, I did some research on this Alaska trip. Like, you know, I really wanted to drive the Alcan and like what we should look out for, what we should plan for. And most of the articles I read said you need like, I don't know, seven days yeah to really and that's to you know take in the scenery and and see all all that it can yeah 
Well, we had three days. Yeah, well... Three days plus flying back on the fourth day. And we had to fly day. back on the fourth day. Think about this Alaska trip. Like, growing up, like, for vacations, we always did road trips. Whether it be, like, um, through Yellowstone or through the Redwoods. We always did these big road trips growing up. Dad was a uh, truck driver uh, before, and uh, so he never shied away from a 30-hour drive, and he would just get in, and we would just go. And uh, that drive to Alaska has always been like on my bucket list of like, I think this would be a sweet family vacation. So much so that after doing this one, uh, I am, we're doing another one this summer driving to Alaska with the family. We're going to take it a little slower this time, but yeah, with three days to do the trip, it was, the mileage was, yeah, it was 2,549 miles, I believe in 62 hours. Yeah, that is, and that is. Total hours, not driving hours. That includes all of our stops, breakdowns, run-ins with the law, different <laughs> different things that took up our time. Yeah, so uh, Alex met me after coming off a night shift. Yeah, I worked a 12-hour night shift at the mill, and then I lived two hours south of here. So my, my trip was actually like 20... I had an extra 100 miles on mine uh, on both ends. So I got off work at 4 in the morning, drove up here, met Josh. So... Alex slept like to Sandpoint, which is a couple hours away, and that was kind of our last chance to get some cheap gas before we crossed the border. And I was trying to save some food money on the trip, so I made like five or six breakfast burritos um, and wrapped them in tinfoil. Well, I was trying to do the whole manifold burrito thing. That didn't work out at all, did it? It didn't work out at all. I... After two hours of driving, they were still stone cold. <laughs> it was still cold, um, but you know it is what it is. Good thing that most of those places have microwaves. Most of those gas stations. Yeah, but uh, once we got up to the border, uh, we kind of ran into our first not issue, but just like there was a couple of things going against us. Uh, one, the uh, vehicle was not in either one of our names. Two, it was licensed in Texas. And, uh, it just, it, it's kind of an unbelievable story. Like the fact that we're just like helping about like, oh yeah, this guy we just met is letting us drive his Bronco all the way to Alaska for him. And it has Texas plates, but in Alaska, it was, well, and it wasn't registered to Forrest yet. Like Forrest had not done the paperwork. So it was still registered to Matt Carricker. Yeah. Who's not us and not Forrest. And we're taking this bronco across international lines yeah and the other thing that was we had to really think about was they could let us into canada but we could get all the way to the other side and be like no you can't get back into america (laughs) and so we didn't really think about that part until we got like all the way there and we're like oh yeah so um that guy gave us i mean it was pretty it was pretty smooth pretty smooth to get across but uh he kind of thought that what we were doing is um, it was pretty cool, and we kind of leaned into the uh, them being members of the armed forces, and we were helping out a buddy who was in the service. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of hoping that I was gonna be able to call Matt because I am a big fan of the channel, <laughs> and yeah, I was like back home even when this whole thing was kind of coming into fruition, I would like tell my wife like, "Hey, babe, guess what I'm doing? I'm texting Matt character." <laughs> And uh fanboy. Fanboy for sure. But 
it's all good. I'm, we really appreciate all the work that Matt did to help get, help us get all the paperwork we needed and whatnot. So it went super smooth. But shortly after the border, the uh, steering column decided to <laughs> come unattached from the dash. Yeah, they kind of turned into like airplane controls with no like tilt. Yeah, tilt and trim. <laughs> but uh, we found all of the nuts on the floorboard. So we we'll get her back together. Yeah. Um, there were quite a few bolts that were loose on this Bronco. We did find a lot of stuff when we were working on putting on the transmission cooler and putting stuff back together. It seemed like you, when you build a rig, you know, you put it together, take it apart, put it together, put you know, a couple times. And sometimes on that last put together, you don't get everything all the way tight because you're like, oh, I'm going to take this apart again. And then you don't. It happens to all of them. A month before we left, I was trying to diagnose it, this clicking noise. We thought the transfer case was going out. It turns out that there was only one bolt still holding the engine in. All the other motor mount bolts had fallen out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the uh, drive line was hitting yeah, the, the frame would, or something. It would flex, and yeah, and it would poke the drive line up against the cross member. Yeah, and so that was a clicking noise. Got that taken care of. After fixing the steering column, we made our way through Radium Hot Springs, which is a really cool canyon that just like very steep rock cliffs, and it's kind of a windy road. And then um, after that was Lake Louise. And this is some like most beautiful country in the in North America, I think, that you can drive through. It's just a lot of untouched earth. And it's just it is so beautiful to be out there when it's there's just a little bit of snow coverage down. And it was at this point, it was everything was everything was beautiful. Yeah, Lake Louise, if you're ever in that area, you got to stop. That water is just like the coolest greenish blue. There are so many National Geographic pictures of lake of this lake because of that. Like it is it's beautiful. Yeah, and at this point in the trip, snow started coming down. Yeah, it was yeah, we were starting to use that four-wheel drive a little bit. Yeah. Still pretty smooth sailing at that point in the trip, like really no issues. We did uh have to Grab some gas at this tiny little gas station at um, the glacier fields, the ice fields. And while we're there, we ran into another dude that was like, hey, is that Matt's Bronco? And we're like, one, we are 3,000, you're 3,000 miles away from Texas. Like, it wasn't like some dude that knew that, but he had followed Matt's build and it like, that was just kind of, that was like kind of a surreal moment for me. Like, that's awesome that people knew this rig. Yeah, it was really cool. So we, we gave him some stickers and uh, chatted with him for a little bit. Bought some like $8 gas. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I believe we also had to add, uh, at that point, didn't we also have to put some uh, Octane Booster in too? It was $8 gas and Octane Booster because oh yeah, because that motor wanted to ping if you didn't have enough octane in her from there we uh wound way up in the mountains into jasper and had some delicious burgers still smooth sailing and that's where we saw our first wildlife there was an entire herd of elk right in the middle of the town it was awesome i think at this point um uh you got behind the wheel maybe i think i did a little driving yeah and uh it was getting dark and we hit this windy narrow road that had the fastest speed limit of any road and it was probably the worst road that we were on and josh in the passenger seat was a little scared girl about driving too fast but that bronco handled the handled it perfectly i never once felt like we were out of control in that rig yeah 
But uh, yeah, we made pretty good time until uh, nightfall. During this whole time, we pretty much didn't have snow on the road. It was snowing in uh, Lake Louise, but not really sticking. Then we got to Dawson Creek, which is the start of the Alcan, and the snow started coming down hard. And at this point, I was trying to go take a nap because I'd I'd been driving most of the trip at this point, except for that little windy road section. And uh, I had a very hard time going to sleep. Yeah, uh, it was... Yeah, it was a little slippery. So this guy, uh, every time I'd wake up, if like from the passenger seat, it feels like that Bronco um, just wants to go in the ditch or in oncoming traffic. And it wandered a lot. It wandered so much. Foreshadowing. <laughs> and there's snow all over the road. We're getting blasted by... by Oncoming truckers. Yeah, the... The truckers don't care. They... There's, yeah, they must be set to like 70 or something because they were flying. Yeah, we're driving like 65 in these trucks. In a modified, in a modified, in a modified off road vehicle. Yeah. And here come these truckers with, yeah, just flying by. And so I'm just like freaking out. I'm like every 15 minutes just like, oh my God, dude, you're going to kill us. It was fine. I know it was, it, we, it was great. But we had uh, we had probably what an hour stop. Somebody had wrecked. Yeah, we kind of got a little canyons. Kind of got a little bit of a rest. Uh, it was kind of weird because you know, just we came up over this hill and there was just a long line of trucks. So we just kind of got in line and uh, we waited like half hour and we we're like we went up talked to the next truck driver and see what was going on. He and because we think we were the only like personal rig in the whole lineup i think everybody else was a trucker so they all had cbs they all knew what was going on so we caught up to them and we talked to them and he's like oh yeah big wreck no timeline no just you just wait all right so we just waited and uh eventually everybody started going so we took off i think one of the things we realized on this trip because of the timing this was uh what late october late october um that this is not tour season tour like, season ends like first weekend in October, like last weekend in September is really when the two, I mean, we didn't miss it by much, but there were, there were whole towns that we came up to. It was the craziest thing. We came up to this town, you know, you come up to the town and it has like the population, all that stuff. And it was one of these small towns and over the sign, it just said closed. Like there was a town that was closed. I don't know how you close a whole town, but like, and when we drove by, it was, a, I mean, it was a small 20, 30 house community spot. But all the houses, the doors were boarded up. Like, no, they just leave in the winter and leave their house. And then they come back and they open the town up in the spring. Yeah. So the only cars I think that we really saw were probably locals or truck. Yeah. I think we saw one other dude like kind of adventuring out. Like in a, I saw, didn't we see another? Could have. I'm pretty sure we did. After Dawson Creek, it was snowpack and ice on the roads. Snow coming down. Made our way into Fort Nelson, which we thought we were going to do a little sightseeing there. And like Alex said, everything was closed. I uh, warmed up one of my burritos in the microwave at the gas station. We fueled up, and uh, I think I got behind the wheel again. Headed north. And that's where I realized that this guy can drive. It's all right. Um, the Bronco was so good in the snow. Like, I could not believe the traction. It's got, it had 37-inch... BFG all terrains and those things just grip. Yeah. 
And I apologized. I was like, all right, dude, I guess you weren't trying to kill us. This thing actually does grip good. No, it was it handled awesome. Um, but it still kind of kind of okay. wandered. It gripped awesome, but it wandered everywhere. And after Fort Nelson, we the road almost kind of follows this ridge and the views were just like oh, stunning. Yeah. We pulled over a couple of times just to like I think the first time we pulled over like, "Oh my gosh, this is a great view." And then we got back in the rig and we drove like a little bit farther and like, "Oh no, that view was crap." Look at this view. <laughs> and like, it was just so beautiful. Like that countryside up there is just so cool. Yeah. And that's where the wildlife really started coming out. We saw more caribou than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, yeah. I mean makes sense because there's no caribou in Washington. So I've seen a few at the zoo and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but oh, it was so cool to see the caribou. So one of the things I was really, really looking forward to on this trip, oh. um, were these cinnamon rolls? Yeah. So at- had like found, and I think he'd even like adjusted like our na- our our sleep time so that we would be in this town when like when they're, br- open. when they're open for breakfast. And I think we missed the window by like fifteen minutes. No, this this town was one of the towns that's just closed. Oh. So yeah, we went through. We adjusted our start time so that we could be in this town for breakfast. Yeah, this place had like their reviews for cinnamon rolls were off the charts everyone like every review of this place was like you have to have a cinnamon roll you have to have a cinnamon roll our mouth was watering for cinnamon rolls yeah and we get there and it's one of those towns that's just closed yeah it, like it had closed two weeks ago yeah tetsa tetsa river lodge is what it was the good part about this is i will be able to let you know how good they are later this year when i'm there all right, is that gonna help you out at all it'll make me want to go yeah after Tetsa River Lodge, we made it to Toad River, um, which is just another little town, little gas station. We got some fuel. The Bronco was completely iced up. We were having a hard time staying warm. And so oh, yeah. we uh, got some cardboard out of the gas station and blocked the radiator. And that actually really helped. I think it brought up the 20 degrees or something. Yeah. It really helped our engine temps. It helped up everything. Yeah. This section kind of follows the river and uh, there's a number of lakes along the way that were just awesome. That greenish blue water yeah. on all the lakes because they're all kind of fed by glaciers. Pretty rad. A lot of a lot of these roads follow the uh, national geogra- like natural, you know, right. Geographical lines against ridges and rivers and yeah. and it's just beautiful. So then we, we stopped at Muncho Lake, which that lake was gigantic. And not Mancho, not Macho? I think it's Muncho. It's Macho. Like, Macho, Macho, man. It's a big lake. Muncho, Macho. It was a big lake. Like, we drove along this lake for a while. It would make sense that it was Macho. Yeah. And, again, the view is just stunning. Yeah. And as we were, we were trying to get to uh, our next stop, that at this point, we're like, it's probably closed. Um, Lierd Hot Springs. But um, it was open. It was open. It was open in the sense that the there's a year-round caretaker, and uh, he was cool with us. Being, I mean, it didn't really feel like it was open, open. You know what I mean? Like, we were the only ones there. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that <laughs> we did when we were there, there's bathrooms at the top, and we're like, oh, this must be where you get your swimsuit on. No, there are. And then you have to walk an insanely far away until you get to the hot springs in our flip-flops and uh, swimsuits. No, there are changing table, changing rooms down at the bottom. <laughs> that Yeah, that would have been much. 
That would have been much better. Yeah, it was really cool, though. It's like mostly natural landscape uh, as far as the hot spring. There's a little bit of development there, and it ranges everywhere from like, I don't know, 90 degrees up to 127 degrees, which was really cool. And part of that, we uh, did a little uh, walking up. There was some spots you could like walk and see where the hot springs come out of the mountain at. And there was some really cool like plant life up there that only happens there because of the way that the hot springs are situated. Like there are like, there's some like tropical or like exotic flowers that bloom there because of like migratorial birds that only bloom there because of the hot springs. So that's kind of cool that you have these like exotic or like wild plants that are only growing there. Yeah, it was really cool. And there were bear fences everywhere, but high voltage bear fence. And so we were a little eerie and the dude was like, Oh no, they're all hibernating. So we, uh, we were scared for no reason on that. I know we should have, but put it together, but walk through it the first time. Like there's this electric fence and there's a lot of signage. That's like only put your hand through here. And I was a little, it was a little nerve wracking. And, uh, in that area, the Leard area, that's where, um, we saw our first buffalo. Oh, is that where the first bi- yeah. bison were? Bison, yeah. And they, one of these big old guys just wa- wandered into the road at like a snail's pace. And then waited. <laughs> and just, yeah, he's like, you guys, you're going to have to wait for me. Yeah, I'm in charge here. Yeah. They are huge. Like, we got, while staying in the vehicle at a safish distance, we got close to them. And they are a lot bigger than what the pictures show. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like the closer you get to them, the bigger they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Then the closer you get to them, the smaller you feel. Oh, yeah. And they wandered at such a snail's pace, like when they were just moseying. But we came across one that was like, when they were running, they can get up to speed quick. They gallop. And when you look into their eyes, it's creepy. They don't care. They'll run you. They'll run through you. Yeah. So then we finally made our way to the Yukon border and we put our little stamp. Stamp. Yeah. Our little EPV stamp on that sign. Um, It's pretty cool. Uh, We checked out the, checked out the Bronco, make sure it's all good. Still really iced over it. It, it was cool. It was actually really cool what it looked like. Yeah. The hubs had like icicles coming off of them like little spikes yeah it was it was sweet and uh i think our passenger rearview mirror was like locked in the position where you couldn't see anything yeah it was originally when everything was thought out it wasn't quite tight enough and it would just bounce and so you couldn't see anything and then it got locked in a position that was no good so it was useless the whole time then we hit up the uh signpost forest and that place was actually really cool i you look at some pictures and you're like, oh, this, okay, cool. It's a whole bunch of road signs in an area. But like walking through there, like all those, like how to see how far away some of those signs came from. And it was cool. We found some from, there was a couple of little towns like from back home that we found signs for. It wasn't like they're a. Pretty sure there was one from Anatone. Was there an Anatone or a, like a Cottonwood or. Yeah. Uh, some of these tiny towns back home that like, oh, this is awesome that. These are way up here. Yeah, and then there were some signs from, like, Germany. Yeah. So, And you know that, like, every one of those signs has a story behind oh, it. Oh, that would be, yeah, so many stories throughout there. And there's some cool old equipment through there that you can, that has been parked there. It's kind of like a, there was some old forestry equipment, some old fire equipment. Yeah, and just, like, 
thousands of signs. I could not believe how many signs were there. Yeah, when you look at the picture, like, oh, yeah, they took this picture from four different angles. No, that's four different sections of, like, it just so, everything was, it's so. I don't think we saw. No, I know we didn't. And we were there over an hour. Yeah. Uh, Alex made a sign, a Days of Pain and Victory sign, and we, uh, we posted that up there. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. If you go during the on season, there's a guy there that you can get nails and a hammer from. So you can hang your sign. If you go in the off season, you have to scramble through the Jeep to try to find a quarter 20 bolt that you use as a nail and drive it into the post. But you know, it works. <laughs> yeah, it works. You got, you got to improvise. You got to use what you got. So then, uh, we were trying to make it to Whitehorse for some dinner. Um, and it was starting to get dark at this time. And while we're on our way to Whitehorse, uh, the Bronco died. Yeah, and it was a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, because we... No problems up to this point with runnability. No cell service right here. Oh, yeah, nothing. I mean, most of the trip, there's no cell service. and uh, But it turns out we just <laughs> ran out of gas. We had uh, we had quite a bit of fuel with us. We had like a 20-gallon extra fuel cell plus like a couple race cans. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to top it off, fuel pump reprimed, and made our way down to Whitehorse. But this is where we had some, a little bit more yeah. major issues. This whole time, the, the Bronco is, the, the wandering is not getting better. It's not, it's not tracking any better. This it's wasn't, getting worse. It's getting worse. This wasn't a, oh, we'll just drive it and make it go away problem, which usually probably doesn't happen with steering and suspension components. There was one gas station in town, which had zero amenities for food. <laughs> All the restaurants were closed. Yeah, we pulled in. We thought we were getting in there in time, but everywhere the kitchen was closed. Uh, Working hours during the off-season get a lot smaller. The one gas station that had lights was situated in, I'm pretty sure, like a polar vortex wind tunnel, the way that it was set up. I don't know if they had fans blowing the cold air. It was the coldest spot on the entire trip was the gas island at this gas station. It was awful. It was so... I don't remember what it was with the windshield, but it was it was cold. It hurt to breathe. My legs were shaking so bad. But And we had... I had on... I'm pretty sure I had long johns, pants, and a pair of coveralls on. And my... Yeah, and I still couldn't feel my legs. And we were laying on... We're sitting on the concrete... That has ice on it. That has ice on it. I believe we lost some bolts out of our steering box. It was... No, it wasn't the steering box. It was the track bar mount. So... This track bar mount had bolts that go up through the frame, and the frame is boxed in that section, and the nuts had come off the the top of those bolts inside the frame. If you pulled the steering box, couldn't you get... We could, if we would have pulled the steering box, we could have got to the back side of the frame. There was something else in the way. The cross member, the, tr- the engine cross member was put on after the track bar mount. And so the engine cross member, which we were not going to pull no. at a gas station at midnight. <laughs> no. There's only like one bolt through the side of the frame that was holding this track bar mount on. And I don't think it was tight. No, it wasn't. It had loosened up. And the two bolts that go up through the bottom of the frame were not there. And so uh, Alex pulls the track bar down so we can get to the, those bolt holes. I dig in the back of the Bronco for some bolts because uh, not only did we have all of our gear and stuff, but Forrest 
<laughs> a bunch of stuff for us to bring up. You know, like a, a windmill for his homestead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just travel. Ace was light. already at a premium. <laughs> travel and light. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I found a couple bolts and um, we were trying to figure out how the heck to get these bolts in there. And um, I had recently done a project where we had these little wire tools that you'd wrap around the bolt threads. And it was like light bulb moment. So I found some tie wire wrapped around the threads of these bolts. And we ended up making the bolts go down through the frame instead of up through the frame. Uh, but it was very tricky. And about every five to eight minutes, we had to go into that gas station and warm up. And we didn't have like the tactility to do it with gloves on. So we're doing it all without gloves. And yeah, our fingers were blue by the time it was over. It was only like the second worst time my hands have been that cold. So <laughs> after we got that all tightened up, the Bronco drove so much better with a track bar. That thing, that thing like track straight. It was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing when you have all your suspension components. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I think we finished that up around like 12.30 in the morning or something. Or I can't remember exactly how it worked out, but um, it was late. It was late. Nothing it was, was cold. It was cold. It was single digits without the wind chill. We knew uh, with that huge setback in time, we had to get some more uh, miles miles down. And so... We made our way to Haynes Junction, which um, I wanted to kind of see in the daylight, but uh, it just didn't work out. But we made it to Haynes Junction around four in the morning and took about a four hour nap, I think. Yeah, yeah a little bit of a rest there. Oh, or it might have been two to six or something, something like that. It doesn't matter. But we slept for about four hours. It was still dark when we got up and then uh, heading towards the Alaska border. Yeah. So right before we crossed the border, we hit this town, Beaver Creek, and we had seen some signs going into it that there was this guy's bakery, and it, there was a sign that said cinnamon rolls. And Josh, after being disappointed from not getting those cinnamon rolls the first time, got a little gleamer in his eye, and he was like, oh, we're actually going to get cinnamon rolls on this trip. They might not be the ones, but they're going to be good cinnamon rolls. I mean, there's a billboard for them. They have to be good, right? And we pull into this town, and we get to the guy's restaurant, and he was open, and like, off season and he was open so we got excited we missed it by like 15 minutes the dude was like closing up and like i watched him from the front window walk out the back door and lock up as he was walking out as he was closing down for breakfast took a couple hours off before lunch so we missed cinnamon rolls two times <laughs> yeah close from 10 to noon yeah and we roll up at 10 15 <laughs> shouldn't napped as long i know what the heck so it's all good, but we made it to the Alaska border and there's something kind of weird about the border in that section. So you cross the border and then it's, you can tell when you cross the border because you can see they have clear cut it all the, like forever and you can see the border and uh, you cross the border and then you drive for a ways. Yeah, it's like 30 miles before you hit customs. Customs. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you could have avoided the custom dude. I don't know. There's like no fence. Yeah, Anything. Just go off-roading? Just go off-road. Super weird. It was but. weird. But we, uh, this guy gave us a little more, I felt a little more nervous at this border crossing than I did the first one. Because the guy kept having us like retell that like, all right, so say it again. Who's this guy? And then he was like purposely changing it. 
to make sure we would correct him to make it right. And he like asked it like four times and we're like, no man, it's like this. And we like, he was like, Oh, okay. And so I think he was just like trying to like make sure that our story was right. That two dudes from Washington were moving a truck from Texas to Alaska for someone. Yeah. Because on the surface that does sound kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. So successfully make it to Alaska um, after a little bit of hassle at the border, but not too, not too bad. bad. Didn't, Didn't make us get out of the car or anything. No. And I hadn't really looked at the map at this point. So what, or I mean, I had looked at the map, but I wasn't really, I was not quite aware that once you cross into Alaska, it's not like you cross into Alaska and then there's Anchorage. <laughs> there's a little bit of driving in Alaska before you get to Anchorage. Yeah. Like a lot bit. Like a lot of bit. We did a little bit of snow wheeling oh, we did, yeah. right right after the border. Um, nothing crazy. We, we weren't going to break. We, we saw some two-track. We took it. It was yeah. fun. It was good. It was good. Um, and then we made it uh, to um, this little town called Tok or Toke. Toke. Um, and we had to get the last bit of fuel from our big 20-gallon uh, jugs. And so Alex set up a pretty cool system we went to uh, an ace hardware there got some tubing oh yeah and we did a little site i think we put the uh gas tank on the roof and then we just siphoned it down and yeah, we went and had some burgers and we got back it was done fueling yeah so that worked out pretty good we still had some daylight we're trying to see as much as we could see in the daylight as possible and we made it to the Matanus Matanuska glacier yeah close enough <clears throat> and uh it was pretty awesome um, except for the fact that when I opened the door to get out, oh, <laughs> his entire filing system, which at this point was a camera bag, just jammed receipts into it, just blew everywhere. Oh man. I had gas receipts flying down the highway. I'm like trying to gather them all up. Uh, I got them. So after the glacier, we're making our way towards Anchorage, um, Still on a just gorgeous, like, mountain road. Kind of a river down on one side, cliff on the other, and the sunset was just amazing. One of the best ones I've ever seen. Yeah, just gigantic mountains with the orange sunset. And uh, so, Alex and I have this game that we like to play on road trips, and because we had seen so few cars on this entire trip. The game wasn't working out. It wasn't working out. And this game is padiddle and people have different versions, but what happens is you see a car without a headlight, you say padiddle and hit the roof. And if you're the first one to hit a roof, you reach over and slug your buddy. And we have played this game since we were 14. Like we have played this game our entire lives. Yeah. And our wives aren't the biggest fan of it. But whenever it's just Josh and I in a rig, and it doesn't matter if we're just running to the grocery store to grab grab food, it doesn't matter what we're doing. Make a part store run. If I see a car without a headlight on, or if Josh does, we are slapping that roof. And it's not just a, we double up our fists and we're trying to injure the other person. And it has led to a lot of great memories. So we are pulling into, we're getting closer and closer to civilization. We're getting closer to Anchorage. And, um, we are starting to see a lot of headlights. And I don't know if the uh, national bird of Alaska is the one headlight, but we saw a bunch of them in that um, little section before Anchorage. And I believe this time we were uh, actually playing for 
who would have to buy dinner. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause we it, had we had extra incentive on it because we thought we'd run into so many cars that our legs would be we'd have dead legs that we would we had a little extra on it, and it was pretty intense. Like it was it was mid twenties to mid twenties. Like we had seen a lot of padiddles and uh, yeah, in this last like fifty miles. Yeah, in this last fifty miles, and while I was driving, I was strategically trying to drive where I would be like behind a semi so Josh couldn't see as far as I could see or. I was, and I was using all of my lane. It's, it's eight feet wide. I pay taxes on all eight feet. I'm going to use all eight feet. <laughs> it doesn't, I, didn't, I wasn't crossing the line. I, I was using all of it, though. And um, a police officer behind me thought that I was using too much, apparently, of my lane. And uh, he pulls us over. And this is nothing new. Uh, <laughs> I've been pulled over a few times. So uh, he comes to the window, and he is sure that he has us for under the influence because apparently somebody had called up according to him somebody had called us in according to him somebody had been following us for some time with their flashers on yeah but we're looking at the headlights ahead of us not behind us yeah remember our mirrors kind of frozen yeah in a poor position yeah so yeah we're using up all of it and uh actually i don't I think the track bar is still probably assisting us a little bit because I'm not sure the bolts that we got were the appropriate size. So I think there's a little bit of flex in there or, you know, a lifted truck. There's a, you're going to have a little bit of play. Yeah. And when I'm not really focusing on the road ahead of me, I'm looking at the oncoming traffic on a divided highway. So cop pulls up and I think his first question is just like, how much have you had to drink? <laughs> because <laughs> there was no way that he thought we were sober and none. He runs me through the full gamut of everything he can ask me at the car. He has me close my eyes, count to 30 in my head and let him know. And I was within, I was within two or three tenths of a second. And he was like, yeah, you were, you were really close. Like you could tell in his face, he was like, okay, this guy might be sober. And uh, we go through the whole thing. We do the alphabet. Then he's like, "Uh, let's do a field sobriety test. All right. So I get out and he has me do some of the craziest stuff. And he's, (laughs) Foot off the ground. I'm this, like, snow on the ground, ice on the ground. He has me doing all these different things. I pass all of them with flying colors. He was pretty cool about it, though. But he, I think he thought that he had me dead to rights. Yeah. Uh, Alex always makes me a little nervous when we get pulled over because he says some things that I just wouldn't. <laughs> my train of thought doesn't have a caboose, and I sometimes, I don't really always think the repercussions of what I'm going to say. Yeah, he's like, you don't have any weapons or anything. He's like, uh, not, I don't think I have a knife on me. I, I think I changed my pants. I'm like, why'd you even bring it up? Yeah, he, yeah. Or, no, and I think he gets out there. No, he does. He's like, do you have any weapons on you? I'm like, no. And then he gets, we get out of the vehicle and he pats me down and he finds a knife. Oh. And he's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's a knife. I thought you said you didn't have any weapons. It's not a weapon. It's a tool. <laughs> like, you don't think about that when you always carry a pocket knife, you don't always think that, like, a pocket knife's a weapon. What what did you tell him when Oh, he, he wanted me to <laughs> when you lift your foot off the ground. He wanted me to lift his foot 6 inches off the ground and then he lifts his foot like that far and I'm like if you're telling your old lady that 6 inches you're in the wrong business, bro. Like <laughs> it was he was cool with it though, but uh, yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't and I asked like twice just I'll blow. I don't I'll give it a breathalyzer. I don't care. I'm blow zeros. No, we got to do it this way. No, we got to do it this way. But uh he finally let us go and I don't think he really believed the track bar story at all, even though we were like, hey, I will show you what we did. 
But um, after that, we uh, we motored on, got some pizza at this. The Moose Tooth Pizza. Moose Tooth Pizza. That Who was, won Padiddle? I think you ended up buying pizza. Uh, that's typical. Yeah. I was, I don't know if I was cheating, but I, I think me being able to block your vision on some stuff. Yeah. What, it assisted my win. I think we had some uh, caribou pizza. There was some caribou sausage on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty dang good. Pretty if you're good. ever in Anchorage, go to the Moose Tooth. It was awesome. I'm going to be hitting it up again. Yeah. And then uh, we stayed at Forrest's house there in Anchorage, and he had a roommate there that was very, had just very nice and um, even took us to the airport and everything, so that was pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, just an epic, epic trip. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy what uh, opportunities present themselves when you're just more open to, like, yeah, we can we can drive to Alaska. Yeah, yeah, we can figure this out. Just go with it. Just say yes. Um, but yeah, it was it was a crazy 63, 64 hours. Yeah, the only thing I'd do differently was I would have taken some time off work. Yeah, the if the same situation happening in, I'd take time off work so we could do it in like five days. Yeah. I mean, when I do it this summer with the family, I'm. I'll make a little video about that. And yeah, taking my time a little bit, seeing some more sites, going on a couple hikes. Yeah. So that's our Alaska trip. We've got a whole video series on that Bronco and on the Alaska trip itself. Be sure to check it out. It was, it was so awesome. Um, again, big thanks to Forrest to giving us that opportunity. It was Yeah. Without, without that opportunity, I don't, yeah. Without him covering the financials, I don't know if we could have done it at the time. No. no. So it was totally rad. It was awesome. If you like what you see here and uh, like our videos that we put out, it'd be sweet if you could uh, support us by buying some merch. You can get it linked below. We've got hats, stickers, sweatshirts. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Leave us a review on whatever you listen to your podcast. Leave a comment if you got any questions about the trip. Love to chat about it. We will wreck it, wrench it, repeat. Until next time. See ya.